Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Today's guest is a keen DIYer and gardener. Honestly, I get lost on your Instagram page so often. It makes me want to grab my toolkit and see what I can knock together. I don't feel like anything will actually be up to your standards. <laughs> well, I, I mean, but actually, well, well, I mean, I can remember being at uni and having things I wanted to put up on, on the walls for ages and having a glass of wine and going, I'll do it now. Just shove some nails in very random places. But I mean, that's the extent to my DIY. Um, He's actually already a part of the Happy Mom, Happy Baby family. You've done so much for us online within the community and I can't thank you enough on that. He's someone who talks a lot about adoption because he's been through it. He's an adoptive dad of three children, two daughters who were adopted in 2013 and a son, their sibling, who joined the family a couple of years ago. Today's guest is James from the DIY Dads. Hello. Hello. Lovely to catch up with you. James, what was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? Um, so I grew up in Southampton with my um, parents. So I've got two brothers. Um, so I was the sort of difficult, quiet middle child, really. That was, I'm middle child. Yeah, yeah, you can tell them. You can always spot them, <laughs> can't you? <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, yeah, and I had, you know, relatively happy sort of childhood, really, pretty nondescript. My older brother was quite poorly all through sort of childhood. So used to spend quite a lot of time in school holidays and things like that in hospital waiting rooms and, and playrooms and stuff. So, um which was sort of a little bit different when you sort of think back now and I think about kind of amount of hours and stuff that we probably spent as a family, but kind of like locked and kind of in quite a confined space. It seems quite strange when you kind of look back, but but a really happy childhood actually, despite all of that. And uh, yeah, just had a really sort of lovely time growing up. Very fortunate that I had lots of sort of family kind of friends and stuff like that kind of um, sort of local to us. So yeah, it was pretty, yeah, pretty calm and pretty, yeah, nondescript really as childhood's going. Yeah. And looking ahead to the future, did you ever see yourself becoming a dad and what that would look like? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I always imagined children in our lives. And I think as I grew up and probably played quite a avuncular kind of role, I guess, in sort of friends and nephews and nieces sort of childhood. So yeah. was always kind of like dived in and sort of got quite hands on with them. And whether it was babysitting, whether it was kind of taking them out for weekends or even on family holidays and stuff like that, taking some of our friends' children's with us. But yeah, it always seemed like it was going to happen. I think it was yeah. just sort of deciding what was the right 
sort of journey really to kind of have that kind of parenting route really and um yeah and that's where kind of adoption sort of crept crept into the sort of peripheral vision well, really in case when you met your partner was that was a family something that you talked about early on were you both very much on the same page yeah absolutely which is really nice actually because i think a lot of same-sex couples probably don't always have that and quite often yeah. you know I've, I've heard of um, same-sex couples where they've had quite different views actually and had to kind of navigate that and see whether that's a, a, a kind of route they wanted to kind of continue with so it was lovely we sort of discussed it very very early on and I think for me it probably would have always been a deal breaker because I always saw children in our lives so I think that would have always been quite a, a massive hurdle to overcome had I met somebody that had a very different view to that and it's one of those things I think growing up and exploring and trying to kind of get my head sort of straight if you like if you excuse the pun in terms of what my life was going to look like that was probably the biggest thing to come to terms with around actually if this is who I am and you know I identify the way that I do the thought of then not having children was always something that felt like it was a bigger deal than actually the coming out and all the other bits it was kind of processing what's interesting so we had H on from Steps last series and he was he made the point that actually when we were younger there wouldn't have been same-sex couples that had kids. Like, we just didn't see that. No, there was no reference points. And actually, I remember the first contact we had with our um, adoption agency that we contacted, the first question was, are we allowed to do it? Is, is, is that what we're able to do? And, you know, I mean, we're not talking, you know, that long ago, really, but mm. I think it was 2012 when we started making those contacts. But it's just not clear, and there was no, none of that kind of presence, I guess, to, to, yeah. to, to, to kind of work out whether that was something that we were able to kind of follow. And I think it was only a few years before we actually started that process that the, the law meant that actually only one of you could adopt the child legally and right. actually the other person was just a co-parent that happened to live in the same house and you had to make that judgment call around who was going to be the legal parent and who was just a, a guardian that lived in that home. So, you know, it's all of those sort of nuances in terms of law. Mm. We were trying to kind of get our heads around at that kind of early, early kind of exploration stage. And uh, yeah, it's difficult when you don't see that representation, I think. It's yeah. hard, to, hard to kind of work out what that could look like. And, and well, did you have to kind work. of go, what, you know, did you ever think about surrogacy or was it always adoption that you were being pulled towards? Yeah, I think it it always was adoption. I think the reality of, or the opportunity, I guess, to support a child that was already born, that was already here, yeah. that was already looking for a bit of a break, maybe, you know, slightly vulnerable or, or needed that stability of a home, that's what we felt like we could provide. So it, we never, we never kind of explored surrogacy. And I know, you know, lots of people that have and, you know, have, you know, just the most amazing family so you know what's right for one isn't right for another but for Absolutely. us it was it was it was always we've always had that pull I had a couple of friends that I went to sort of college and uni with and stuff that ended up doing social work so it was kind of always around I always kind of got a sense of it and heard snippets of of the sorts of children that were coming into care or the ones that were looking and I remember sort of just thinking I think when the time is right that's yeah. where I would naturally gravitate to I think. How did you come to the point where you were like now's the right time? Because obviously you spoke about it early on, you said, but yeah, at yeah, what yeah. point were you like, actually, now's the right time to, to start going about it properly? And and where did you start? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think it was 2012 when, um, it was actually when all the Olympics and everything was going on. And I remember um, sitting in a friend's garden and we wheeled out the TV and we were watching some of the Olympic stuff that was going on. I think it was that Super Saturday where there was all the kind of races and, <laughs> uh, and all the cool stuff going on. And and it just felt quite content. We'd, we, we'd lived in our house for a few years. We'd sort of done a lot of renovation stuff. We both quite stable at work. It just naturally, we kind of, I remember just sitting there and thinking, oh, actually, you know, we could do this. We could have a couple of children running around and we could, we could kickstart this now. And so we started, started getting the ball rolling. And, and yeah, I remember how we, we, we contacted our local agency and they sent us a, a letter to say, oh, could you come to our open evening? 
and it was uh, it was that kind of local sort of church hall. And again, our kind of preconceptions of religion and yeah. same sex couples and, and all this, we sort of said, oh, I'm not sure how welcome we're going to be, but let's let's go for it and let's get the ball rolling. And we remember kind of creeping into this kind of hall and just seeing this kind of like table of of all these kind of really scary textbooks and things about adoption and the children in care and written by psychologists and uh, and all these kind of very very you know intellectual people but it was really really intimidating because mm. because when you presented I, I think one of the books was a boy that was raised as a dog there was a book around you know dealing with emotionally traumatized children and and that's that was our welcome that was our kind of introduction to this world and it just felt quite intense actually just trying do you to think... think that's done in that way to kind of go I don't know to take out or to give a reality check about what people might be go like might be walking into kind of this isn't going to be plain sailing you know you're not just going to be given a child and that's it you know it's actually there's so much more that goes with it yeah i think so and i think the the agencies do a brilliant job and i've had the opportunity since to work with the agencies in in, in a more kind of voluntary capacity and i think even at that stage, I think what's really, really apparent is that there are so many unknowns with these children, with the journeys that you're going to go on, the experiences that you'll probably end up to having to do. And that ability to feel quite resilient and comfortable in, in that ambiguity of what that journey could look like and what that yeah. child might end up needing. You know, for a child, I mean, you get these massive reports all about the children to explain explain their experiences and what, they've, what, what, what maybe that prognosis is going to be long term for them. Mm. But it's only what they know, you know, we, there, there are things that would, might have happened to that child that only, you know, their birth parents and them will know about. And, yeah. and that might come out much later. And, and, and when they're, you know, really settled, they might start sharing some of that and, and some of those experiences. So, yeah, it's you have to have, have that ability, I think, to be able to navigate that and and know where your limitations are when you need to put your hand up and say, actually, this feels quite tough. I might need mm -hmm. an expert here. Or I might need to bring someone in that might be able to give me some better advice. So I think it's you're right. It has to be front-loaded. You have to go into it with your eyes open that that is a potential reality. Because yeah. um, I think if you don't, it will be quite a rude awakening. And, and and I think for all of that investment that social workers and, 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 and those teams kind of put into sort of taking you through that process, nobody wants that to break down. We don't want an experience where that child has another amount of trauma because they've moved to a home, the, the, the home that they've moved to, their adoptive parents weren't equipped or weren't prepared to take yeah. on that ambiguity. And then it becomes another sense of loss because that placement breaks down and they move on. So so I think it has to has to be that harsh from almost day one because mm -hmm. otherwise it's, it's, it's yeah, you're, you're going into a blind, I think. And it's a long process though, from that moment, to actually getting approved to adopt. It's a, it's a long process between that and it's invasive as well. And rightly so because of everything that you've highlighted and but it is it's you have to go through a lot to be able to get to that approval point. Yeah, absolutely. And I I always kind of think of it as almost a game of two halves because you've got this this piece which is all around the agency getting to know you. And again, that's mm. about that's about uh, it's called an assessment process and 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 that's you know sometimes feels like quite a harsh words, but I think it's a reality of Nobody wants that placement to break down. So yeah. if there's anything in your lives or your history or your past that, that ultimately is going to impact that child having that stability that they desperately need after whatever they've had before them, then you want to kind of bring that up. And mm. I've had a lot of people call it sort of free therapy. You go through this kind of process of, of reflecting on your own childhood and reflecting on your own things like attitude to education and religion and identity, all of the things that are going to be really important for, for that child that moves in with you. You kind of explore that. And then on the opposite side, it's that kind of preparation. It's equipping you with the tools and the experience and the um, techniques that are going to help you support this child that isn't 
a brand new newborn baby, but is coming with their own baggage of of, of experiences or behavioural kind of challenges or mm. their own kind of things that they're going to need support and 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 that stability with. So it's kind of it's that balance of those two things, and I think the process is is you know intense i think we started it in the january of 2013 and we were approved in the october so right. you know nine months ironically you're kind of going yeah. from 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 start you know start to that kind of point and there were times where it felt like it was everything was coming at us because we were doing a training course we were trying to read a book that we needed to read we were we were having the assessment visits mm-hmm. and then there were months where we didn't hear anything and we were sort of chasing daily almost to say come on we're ready what's what's going on what's yeah. the hold up what's the hold up so it, it, it all the way through it just feels like it's a bit of a test it's a bit of a yeah. push and i think if you can the attitude we took to it were it was kind of a means to an end, if I'm honest. We kind of got yeah. to ourselves to a point of it's a process and it's an engine and you have to kind of go through that kind of machine of, of the assessment that you need to do. I think looking back on it now, I would definitely be asking questions as we were going through to just just, just quantify and understand what they were trying to kind of get because at times it seems so... I don't know, it just, it just wasn't tangible of actually the question yeah. they were asking versus what it was that they actually wanted or were trying to understand. What was it like when you got told that you had the approval? So the first and how time... how do you we get went, told that? Yeah, so it's, the process has kind of evolved a little bit. So when we went through the process with our daughters, we kind of got almost a bit of an instant decision. So you go to what's called a panel, so an adoption panel. You have a, a kind of room full of people that have a real mix in terms of their experience. So but all have an kind of affinity to adoption or, or children in care. So there was sort of retired head teachers, there was a GP in the room, there was somebody that was a ex-social worker, there was somebody that probably about sort of 70 or 80 that had been adopted kind of back in the 30s or something, and, and they were kind of there from their perspective. There was um, people that were foster carers. So there's a whole room of people from that kind of community and you sort of go into the room, you sort of shuffle in, you get asked some questions and you kind of um, sort of get, do your best to kind of answer them. Go back out of the room, they leave the social worker in and have a chat about you and then you get called back in. And the sort of decision is quite instant. So they'll kind of share that with you and say, this is this is our kind of recommendation. And we, by that point, we'd got the self, ourselves to a point where we sort of said that we sort of would consider siblings. And that was something that we wanted right. to um, to pursue. Is that so, something that's desperately sort of sought after as well? Yeah, massively. Yeah, massively. And I think that need is just growing, actually. I think what we're what we're seeing in terms of, um, you know, recruitment agencies, I think actually quite a few recruitment agencies and in terms of adoption now, uh, if, if people are looking for sort of a baby under the age of 12 months and, and just one child, actually don't have the resources to assess because there's such a big need for siblings and for, for, for kind of older children. So, mm. yeah, we evolved actually as we went through the process. I think we started off sort of with a, what's a one child in, in, in mind and, and definitely evolved as we kind of went through it and thought, don't want to go through this process again. Let's just let's just really? complete the, let's just complete the, main... the yeah, yeah yeah yeah. We just thought actually let's complete this. Let's do it in one go and and also if you if you do it in stages, you end up having to then the children have to go through that assessment process as well to make sure right. they're secure and they're you know they're, they're in a position where 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 that will be a positive impact to their lives. So we kind of sort of said actually, do you know what? We always said we'd do it. You know, we'd have multiple children. Let's let's do it. Let's take the opportunity to support a sibling group that was in care mm-hmm. that are kind of quite hard to place. So we just sort of thought, yeah, let's 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 kind of do it, and and we got that decision instantly. So they sort of said, look, we're really comfortable that you could you could take on um, a sibling group. So that was great. Um, that then comes through in writing about ten days later, and you get an official kind of letter from sort of the agency decision maker, and then you start that kind of family finding kind of process. It sort of kind of kicks off almost instantly, really, of the sort of social workers trying to then kind of piece together and 
yeah, but sort of air traffic control, I guess, the children that are kind of coming up through the courts that they know that they need to play, so the parents that they've got that have been assessed and, and are at that approval stage, doing that kind of matching up really to try and yeah. try and kind of connect connect those sort of uh, two things together. So do they come to you with different like different groups of children or, you know, is it a case of we found the children that we think are right for you? Yeah, we were presented with our daughter straight away. So I, I was at work and I remember getting a phone call from our social worker and just said, oh, just to just to let you know, it was a couple of days actually after we'd been to panel and she sort of said, look, the agency... Oh, so just... soon after as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think we were... We went to the panel on the Wednesday and we were sort of told, look, wait for 10 days and we'll contact you in 10 days when we've got it. And then on the Friday I was at work and I sort of, uh, sort of answered the phone and it was, it was, it was the call. Yeah, they, we wouldn't tell us anything over the phone, but they said, look, we have got some children that we've been sort of considering for you for a while. We're just waiting for you to get it sort of through approval. Um, so I'd like to have that kind of conversation with you. And they just sort of said to us, look, it's, it's, it's two girls. Uh, one of them was born in sort of March 2013 said, and the other one um, was born in March and I was like I was writing it down at the time I said oh what what year and she said oh no this this year they were born this year so we were always kind of thinking we would start get sort of placed with us sort of slightly older children so that was kind of quite a bit of a kind of moment of kind of thinking actually we could be faced with sort of two two children under the age of two and then the social worker came around on the Monday so we had that kind of weekend of just trying to sort of churn over and process what what, what it was and um yeah she come and sat down and she sort of whipped out this sort of dog-eared bit of paper that she'd obviously had in her briefcase kicking around for ages and it had like a tea ring on it which had this little it had this little, little profile it had like a couple of little thumb, thumbnail pictures and just sort of like two or three lines that just said you know the, the eldest is this this and this and the, yeah. the youngest is this this and this and just had snippets of information and you, you know just in a way meaningless stuff it was stuff like you know loves 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 the sound of animals loves that you know loves loves running around which was lovely to hear but didn't answer any of the questions that we kind of had in our head, yeah. but but um, was enough to kind of, yeah, just kind of pull you in, I think. And we were kind of hooked then. And yeah, it just kind of went from there, really. We, we over the space of maybe two and a half months, just sort of pieced together more and more information and got all of that um, uh, ahead of um, sort of finally meeting. So them. you had a bit of time to get yourselves and your house ready for the new arrivals? Yeah, absolutely. So you sort of go through a process where... The, you go through sort of then almost a mini assessment where for, for, for you have a kind of couple of sessions sort of less focused about actually could you be a parent and do you have the skill set and do you have that life that could accommodate children to then kind of flipping it over to say and what is it about these particular children that's the right match that's the right combination so it was then exploring that around what their needs were or what their scenario was versus ours and how do those two things fit together and why why are we the best people that would uh, which kind of take to take these um two children on so yeah, that's the kind of mini assessment that then kind of kicks off. And then from that, you go to another panel date. So you get that sort of opportunity to go and see sort of a different group of um, people, get that decision sort of uh, verified. And then, yeah, from that, you kind of start your your kind of meeting and your introductions. And what was it like when you met the girls for the first time, your daughters? Was it because I imagine was that just a meeting that first day? It's, yeah, it's very different now. So uh, now there's lots of opportunities for what they call like bump-in meetings, chemistry meetings, so opportunities right. to maybe go to like a communal setting, so like a, a play park, 
and the foster carers might take them to the play park and be pushing them on the swings. And as prospective adopters, you could go and maybe meet them and just interact with them sort of from afar almost um, and, and do things like that, which I think is lovely. It's a lovely way to, to kind of start that relationship. The first time we met them was the start of the seven days when we kind of were going to bring them home. Um, so you knew that that was going to happen at the end of it. So that whole week is gearing up to that. Yeah, yeah, just kickstarting that, that, that kind of chunk of time. And we'd already been to the foster carers' home before because we had a meeting with them to kind of talk about their needs and how they're getting on and what milestones they were meeting, all of that kind of stuff, what nappy sizes and stuff they needed. Um, so we'd sort of done all of the homework for that. And I remember just walking through the door and seeing all their little shoes sort of lined up at the foster mm -hmm. carers by the front door and seeing that. And and it, it was a really strange one because there was loads of there was loads of professionals with us we had our social worker we had the children's social worker we had the health visitor we had the team manager we had the two foster carers so everybody was sort of crammed in this very kind of small space and our, our, our eldest she was about 18 months at the time i just remember her kind of pushing past all of these legs and i sort of looked down and i, I just saw these kind of massive blue eyes i just instantly kind of crouched down and was kind of eye level with her and she had her sister's um, like muslin cloth that she was sort of the foster care was using, and she just threw it over my head, and she <laughs> just started playing peekaboo with me like instantly, and it was just such a surreal thing because it just felt like after you sort of kid ourselves all the way along that we were kind of looking for the children, and then actually they the ones that kind of come and find you out, they, they, you know, completely, completely come and found us, and yeah. And it I, must, but you must think about that moment a lot before going into it, like. I think any parent, you think about that bond and there's so much pressure around the bond of, you know, your baby, your child is in your arms, they're in front of you. Is that love there instantly? Are they going to love you? Are there, is there going to be a connection between you? So there must be, well, I don't know, was there a lot of pressure on that moment? And, and, and I imagine the nerves between you and your partner walking into the foster carer's home must have been massive. There is that massive amount of pressure because you know that everybody's looking and watching watching you and but you're also in somebody else's home you're also i mean our, our eldest had been with that foster carer for 18 months so yeah. there was that such deep rooted kind of relationship that it felt like it was their child we were taking away not not somebody else's and so you sort of almost didn't know whether you could you know i was kind of walking up thinking oh do you you know do you go over do you touch the child are you allowed to kind of you know you know grab the hand are you like, how, how does this work and obviously it didn't matter because the children lead it and 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 completely kind of nailed it in terms of what that was going to look like in terms of a, a kind of initial meeting and and it was fine and within two minutes i remember you were playing peekaboo for a little bit and then we kind of sort of went back into their into their main living room and she sort of did that thing that sort of two-year-olds do where they kind of shuffle one back into you don't they and then sit on your lap and she sort of sat down sat on her lap and I had a notebook where I was writing bits and pieces down and she just put her hand down and we just started making handprints and just drawing around her hand listening to, to to what everyone else was talking about or not listening as it was but um you know and just drawing around her hand and um yeah that was it and we still do it now every birthday and that we still kind of do do that kind of handprints and it's just yeah, yeah it's just yeah, it just happened. and But the children lead it, you know, you yeah. sort of kid Had she been told anything about you by that point, before that meet? Yeah, so we did something called um, an introduction book. So we, we did kind of a couple of things, actually. So we got printed, like, a load of photos, and we kind of stuck them in a bit of an album, and it was you know really cheesy things of, of of like this is daddy cooking this is this is dad in the garden and it was just different kind of photos of us sort of around the house and doing different things um just so they could get their sort of bearings a little bit and kind of mm. get a sense of who who these faces and who they are and yeah children are amazing they're so resilient they're so they just nail it they just kind yeah. of you know suss, suss, suss it out and i think yeah they did they sort of manage that transition so much better than i think 
we do as adults. Well, so did you see them every day that week? Yeah, it was a slow build. So we started on the Monday, we arrived and we sort of did that meeting maybe for an hour and then we all yeah. left. And then by the Tuesday, we sort of rocked up at um, maybe just after breakfast and stayed till just after lunch. And by the Thursday, I think we were taking the girls out on our own and, and pushing them around on the pushchair and having a few hours by ourselves. By the Saturday, the foster carer were bringing them to our house and, and we, they would spend all day with us and then we would take them back in the evening to, um, um, to the foster carer's house and literally just put them to bed and we would put them to bed and then we would be there the next morning to, to pick them up for, for, for when they woke up. And then the Tuesday was the last day. So the Tuesday, we, we, we weren't there when they woke up, but we, we arrived at 10 o'clock in the morning and we literally walked into the house, picked them up and took them and that was it. We, I think we were in the foster carer's house for two minutes, I think. In, that must have been such an emotional day on mm. so many levels because obviously you're taking your daughters home, but at the same time, you must recognise the fact that you're also taking them away from everything that they've known and I know that you're you're taking them to their new life of love and family but I know you know Isma Almas she was on the podcast years yeah. ago and she and she said that that was something that really got her the fact that she was taking her son from even though you know that you're taking them to love it's yeah, so yeah. hard to know that you are you know that, that there is that upheaval that you just need to help them get through yeah, yeah, and and you know by design that that fact that it was two minutes, you know that yeah. that's what it's needed. It's it's yeah. it's such an emotionally charged moment that yeah. you and the the social workers are always there for it. But it's just that final bit, and and by that point we'd already taken like their toys and their yeah. sort of clothes and bits and pieces they had. I didn't have massive amounts, but you know bits and pieces that they that, that were theirs that that weren't kind of necessarily you know the foster carer's house that they'd use for the next children they had. The bits that were theirs, we'd, we'd already kind of taken. Which so, must be nice for them as well when they get to then. Yeah, home, yeah, there's that familiarity. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, which is really nice. But, but yeah, just that moment of just, I remember sort of driving up to the thing and, and by that point we'd, we, we'd, we'd built such a relationship as well with the foster carers. Like, you, you, you have to because you're in their home yeah. and, and you, you know, you're sharing meals together. You're, you, you know, they're, they're kind of, you're in it together. You have to have that kind of relationship. And... Then yeah, to, to kind of take them away from everything they've known, it's mm. it's it's unbelievable. I, I mean, we just literally packed them in the car and we we drove straight to um, the beach actually, and we just stuck them in the pushchair and we just walked for about two hours, probably in silence, <laughs> completely, you know, and just walked and just kind of cleared and just sort of, you know, let the let the kind of wind sort of blow away all the kind of cobwebs and stuff, and then we took them home and then we sort of said, right, okay, this is it now, shut the door behind us, and and this is our kind of incubation period now this is just for us this is our time now to, to kind of mm. suss it out but yeah just that sense of take it yeah taking them away from everything they knew and 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 all, I would imagine as well it, that's why it's important for you to have a good relationship with them as well and why you have kept that relationship because they know that part of your daughter's lives that you weren't there for so you know to it's almost like a piece of the puzzle Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and there's loads of stuff that we that, that exist before. You know, there are things that are coming out, and and things that we're navigating at the moment with the children. And I mean, our girls are coming up to nine and ten, and there's still stuff that comes out in terms of things like health and things. And we think, mm. goodness, there's a there's a correlation between that and 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 maybe even pre being born and 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 that experience in pregnancy that that yeah. might have kind of connected those two things. And it's 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 kind of navigating all of that and and. Yeah, you're, the, the jigsaw puzzle is a great analogy for it because we don't own any of the pieces. We, we we own the you know, and we can support with the bits that we know. Our role as an adoptive parent is to help the girls and and now our son 
piece all of those bits together. So they've got that clarity of their identity. They've got clarity of their own life. But, but it's different. And it's different for each of them, actually. You know, it's different experiences that, that, that happened for both of our daughters, as much as they're really close in age and, and, and they have that shared experience of foster care, uh, foster care time. Actually, their, their experiences during pregnancy were very different. The circumstances yeah. that they were carried were very, very different. And that, that, that has changed the trajectory for both of them, actually, in terms of, their, their, you know, how, how they've developed and grown as well. So it's, it's, it's all of that stuff that we have to navigate. But that's where the preparation up front comes in. That's the toolkit yeah. that you're building is, is allowing you to be able to, to confidently do that. I think the, the legacy that we've got with things like, um, you know, long lost families and stuff like that, where people grow up and they hit the age of 70 and find out they've got a load of other siblings or that their, mm. their auntie was actually their mother and, and, and they have to kind of navigate all of that stuff. You know, our role is to make sure that never happens. Our children grow up knowing exactly who they are and, and how they came to be. Um, yeah. And, and that, that's quite hard because exactly, sometimes you do have to share with them stuff that, that you've, you know, isn't maybe always right for a child to know. But, but they, have to, they have to have that honesty and that age-appropriate knowledge to, mm-hmm. to help them feel safe and secure so they don't get to the age of 18 or 20 or 30 or 40 and suddenly have a great big revelation in their life and have to yeah. have to kind of emotionally deal with that as well. But that transparency, that's the word I always kind of come back to with, 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 with adopters that I work with now is if you're not willing to do that, mm-hmm. that just prolongs trauma. It just prolongs that, 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 that kind of um, that impact that that person, you know, everyone has a right to know who they are, don't they? Everyone deserves to I guess it's that thing, you that. can't draw a line under everything that's gone before you became their adoptive dad that that no, no. still exists it's not like you can you can go well that didn't happen anymore this is you from now yeah, because yeah. you know their birth parents are still their birth parents like that will never yeah. change like i've got no right to be able to dictate history and to and, and to rewrite that but what i can do is help them understand the circumstances that mean that it wasn't safe for them to stay there and it and and actually they need that stability and you know, I talk in some of the training sessions that we do, we do now is, you know, we talk about what's all the things that we think a child needs. They need food and warmth and, you know, a, a place to sleep and a place to rest their head and the stability and routine and to go to school. And sometimes those people can't tick all of those boxes and, yeah. and, and we have to, yeah, we have to help them, help them navigate that and help them understand that. So there's some really good age appropriate ways that you can kind of have that conversation and, you always think you're going to have a big, meaningful conversation around a dinner table with all of you together. Um, and, and you know, experience dictates that it normally happens in the middle of Sainsbury's when you're pushing around a trolley, <laughs> that they want to have this big, deep, meaningful conversation and you just have to ride with it and go with it. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, it's taking the children's pace with all of this stuff. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hold up. 
I imagine it's a very different pace going from two to four. Was yeah. that was that quite overwhelming? Was that a big like bit of a shock? It, it was, and uh, my my other half actually, you sort of get, had sort of a couple of weeks worth of parental leave, but obviously you know a week and a half of that was used in the foster carer's home. So yeah. um, I think the girls moved in on the Tuesday, and then he was back to work the following Monday, and. I, I, I remember, like, <laughs> got off of work, and I was like, I just don't know what to do this week. Like, I don't know how this is going to go. Let's <laughs> work this one out. And and quite quickly, I, I kind of worked out that actually routine was really, really important and trying to kind of maintain regular, you know, bedtimes, bath times, lunch times, all of that kind of stuff was really important. And I used to talk, just stay at home in the morning, and then regardless of the weather, we used to have lunch, and then I used to put them in a double buggy, and I just used to walk for, like, two, three hours just mm. every afternoon. And we just got into that kind of pattern, and they started kind of napping a little bit and sort of settling into in, into that kind of routine. And it was, yeah, it was quite overwhelming. I think the hardest thing, actually, was going to a... I, I, I kind of sort of naively thought, oh, I could go to a baby group, it'll be fine. So I kind of rocked up at one of the... Um, I think it was Baby Sign... It was it was kind of January and they were all kind of wrapped up in coats and stuff and I just sort of unstrapped them into uh, of what they were wearing. The sort of nine month year old went was sort of crawling towards the stairs and then the eighteen months was sort of emptying someone's handbag over there and I was like, <laughs> who, who do you go after? Like the, all all of the training and the preparation you've done didn't train you for where you go and, and what you do in this situation and. And obviously, you know, you look around the room and everyone's navigating the same, aren't they? They're yeah. trying to kind of bumble along together. But it just felt, yeah, it just felt harder, I think, to try and do that at the age that they were. Whereas I think mm-hmm. with a baby, you kind of get that that warm-up period, don't you, for a couple of months. There's a load of other challenges. But actually, yeah. you know, those sorts of social situations, you can kind of ease yourself into it a little bit, a little bit yeah. more. But yeah, that's how, yeah, I think it played it out. You thought your family was complete at this point, a family mm. of four. You thought yeah. you'd done it all. You've, you've gone through all of the processes that you could and you've got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, you got a phone call a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. So um, it was, yeah, a couple of years ago, I was I, I was at work and I had this very, very, very um, strange email came through and it was it was basically like an encrypted thing and it said, please, can you put in the, the, the following information? And I thought it was like a spam thing. I thought, oh, you know, I definitely about? would think it was a spam thing. Uh, there was no way I'm I'm going to put anything into that. Well, well I, <laughs> there were two things. The first one was it spam, or the other thing I thought is is like MI five coming to like recruit me as a as an agent. There were so many complex <laughs> that... things. I thought this is the moment. This is it. I, I, yeah. They've come for me. Well, your DIY skills really up <laughs> absolutely. To at that point. You're like, there we go. Yeah. Finally, finally, the calls in. The calls in. Yeah. Um. So so I was kind of like, like sort, of, sort of swaying about it, and then um. On the bottom of the email, there was a reference point that just connected me back in, like suddenly my brain jolted and I thought, oh, hang on a second, that's got something that kind of triggered from that kind of past experience. So I put it through and then it literally just came up and it said, um, Mr. Rands, please could you phone this number? And that was it. And I thought, sure. So so, so I phoned this number and then um, the person on the end of the line sort of said, oh, I'm so grateful that you phoned. I've just seen that you've just, e- you've just opened my email. And it just said, you know, introduced himself and said, look, I'm a social worker at this place. Needs to talk to you because the shape of your um, children's birth family has has changed, and we want to have a conversation with you. And we were always told in those early days, there's there's you know pretty much sort of two reasons why they would come and speak to you. One is if there was sort of um, a significant kind of loss or you know critical illness or something like that in the birth family that they need to talk mm-hmm. to you about, or if another sort of sibling had, had sort of come along. So. 
you kind of, so I was sort of like bouncing between the two of, I don't know which direction this conversation is going. And, um, and, and quite quickly, she sort of said, let, just to let you know, there's a, um, a baby that's been born and we are just going through sort of a bit of an assessment process to understand whether the circumstances in the birth family has changed, if there's anyone else in the extended kind of birth family that might, you know, want to be considered for this child's future. However, we're sort of getting to the conclusion that's probably, we've probably exhausted all of those, 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 those things. And sort of the next part of the process is for us to go and sort of speak to you and just get a sense of whether your family's complete or whether you would like to, you know, have a have a further conversation. And it was it was really it was really odd because my mind my mind kind of jumped straight away of, yeah, of course, you know, why would we not? Let's 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 kind of see where we go. But again you kind of then jump back to think, well is the other person going to be on you know, my yeah. other half's going to be on the same page. So well, I just was this something that you'd ever talked about? Interestingly, we'd always talked about having sort of other children in our lives. So I think my kind of long-term kind of aim was always sort of to do, you know, a chunk of time sort of, you know, sort of working and and, and then come out of that and maybe look at fostering when the children were older mm-hmm. um, and maybe sort of go down that route. So I think we'd always considered other children in our lives, but not necessarily, you know, I don't, if this call hadn't have came, I don't think, and it wasn't a full kind of birth sibling, I don't think we would have naturally kind of kick-started that kind of process the girls were really settled they had a you know really lovely life it was kind of seemed like it was it was kind of just wasn't a consideration really so so I had a kind of brief conversation and put the phone down and then spoke to my other half and my other half was like well yeah let's 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 go and find out so it was pretty kind of instant straight away and really really unfortunately I then had to get a taxi go and get on a plane and I was away for three days and that was really hard because we were sort of then sort of yeah. having this kind of conversation for a couple of days, uh, you know, over texts and, and, and calls in the evening and stuff. Um, and then by the time I, I'd come home, we had uh, sort of our fourth bedroom was like a dressing room. It had sort of some um, wardrobes. I came in and like one wall had been blocked up. All the wardrobes had been sort of knocked down and it was kind of in the process of becoming a, <laughs> a nursery. I was like, oh, OK, OK, we're definitely doing this then, are we, sort of thing. And, and you know, he, he, he was kind of there and, and, and was kind of, yeah, sort of had started kind of, I don't know, that ne- kind of nesting thing, really. So we then had a very, very sort of suppressed, um, sort of quick kind of assessment. So didn't need to do the, are you capable of being parents but actually is this the right dynamic to chuck into the mix based on how your daughters are doing and 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 where you are in your life so almost sort of plugging in the information in the last sort of six seven years since since they last sort of spoke to us had you talked to your daughters about their brother at that point no we 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 didn't straight away we but we gradually kind of started sort of saying wouldn't it be nice if you had another kind of child and just sort of started drip feeding that kind of that kind of concept and idea because obviously at that point we hadn't been to court, we hadn't sort of done this sort of adoption panel bit, so we didn't know it was a it was a sort of slam dunk. We had still had that sort of uncertainty, but equally the social worker wanted to meet the girls to kind of just sort of see how they were and and, and interact with them a little bit. So um, we had a couple of kind of quick quick meetings on that, and um, yeah, uh, it, it, I think it was three months from that initial phone call to, to to that moment when he was in our house. It was it was it was really quick, and yeah, it's. It, what was lovely is that it, in some ways it felt like he'd never, you know, he'd, he'd always been with us. He, he, right. he was just, he just instantly kind of slotted in. And I think, yes, yeah, probably, probably the same truth for, for many siblings, isn't it? Is, is you sort of think, think it's going to be harder, but actually they just, uh, by the time you get to the third and probably the fourth of them, they, they, they just go along with the yeah. status quo of everything else, don't they? And What were the yeah. girls like when they met him? They were amazing, actually. They just... They just completely, completely embraced him and, and really just, yeah, kind of, it was instant, that, that kind of connection that they had with him. And 
there was such a physical resemblance to our youngest um, daughter and and him that it was it was really strange actually. With the moment we met him, it was like sort You'd of going back before. six years. Yeah, 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 it was it was going back and just seeing you know seeing this same same kind of baby really. And the foster carer that that was um, fostering him had a, a baby the same age that she was also fostering, and we knew it's you know we just walked in and was like, <laughs> oh no, it's here, it's this guy here, sort of thing. So um, we sort of sussed that out straight away. But um, but yeah, the girls were fantastic and really embraced him and you know life did have to change a little bit you know there were things where you know the girls would do sort of you know clubs that lasted quite late and we couldn't always do those and for a while we couldn't go to the cinema unless it was just one of us taking the girls and we've had to kind of adjust those sorts of things which we were quite used to doing so it's it's evolved but they've just embraced it really 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 well and I remember when we went through the adoption panel the the sort of chair of the of, of the group said you know what came through all the way through and and he sort of said why it was so it's such an easy decision to say is that you just knew it was going to enhance the girls lives it wasn't going to take anything away and I think that's 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 really yeah that I, I think I hope that still kind of is is true now I think we're yeah coming up to two and a half years it's it, yeah. I think that's I think that's the case uh, a few uh, months after you welcomed your son you found out that another sibling was mm. that the, their birth mother was pregnant at that point wasn't she yes yeah 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 it was well it was actually um i think it was three days after he moved in that we had wow. a call to say just to let you know uh, sort of birth mum's rocked up to um to um doctor surgery and and is presenting signs that that's that sort of pregnant and yeah just a massive one to kind of weigh up and kind of reflect yeah. on and and i think where we'd got to is is I think it would start. It would have started to have a detrimental kind of impact to to, to the three children that we had. I think yeah. to to chuck another baby in the mix when we were three days in with with one. Exactly, this just... whole new dynamic has just started. Knowing that you'd be changing that again in however many months. Yeah, it just. I mean. A lot of soul searching, and I don't, yeah. I don't know if you ever know if you've done the right thing. I think you know it's one of those things that probably kind of sort of sit quite heavy for forever, really. But we both had a really, really honest conversation around. It had to be the right dynamic for for for, for the children, and it didn't mm-hmm. feel like so soon that that would have been appropriate, and that yeah. would have been that that would have been the right thing. And we shared that quite quickly with the the, the sort of social worker teams, and, and and they were fantastic. You know, totally, totally supported that, and and completely because agreed you could get yourself with, with into a position, especially if the birth mum is young, that she could Which be she having was. a baby, right? Exactly. I mean, you know, we were sort of looking body clocks and things like that and thinking you know there could be another 12 13 14 years of this yeah. the, 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 and you know we're talking about you know a year on a year on a year yeah. on every time we just said we just too, too yeah too, too, too much kind of impact so we kind of had the opportunity to talk quite openly with that with the kind of social workers and they identified a couple actually that were, were kind of going through the process that were looking to do more of a kind of foster to adopt placement and they um yeah they picked him up pretty much straight away from hospital and has had him ever since so they had never had that kind of almost that kind of movement of going to foster yeah. care and then and then and then on again um and they're and doing amazing up, well haven't you yeah we've had a couple yeah. of times where we've kind of um yeah kind of had um you know kind of days out and stuff like that and Again, just resilience, children, you know, the, the girls are just so matter-of-fact about it and just say, yeah, we know we've got another sibling and we know that they don't live with us and that's okay and we can, we can, we can navigate that. So, um, yeah, they're, they're just quite chilled about it and say, yeah, we've got, we've got a brother, doesn't live with us, but it's, it's cool kind of thing. So, yeah, they just handle these things, don't they, and just embrace it. 
But it's like you say, it's it's letting them all, like, all of the kids know the situation. Mm. You know, no one's being kept in the dark. And, and that no. feeling of stability, that, that feeling of knowing where you've come from and your, hi and your history, you're, you're giving that to them from the off. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that, it's that sense of identity, isn't it? It's knowing, it's knowing who you are allows you to have that foundation in you, doesn't it? To then whatever life chucks at you, if, you, if you're really comfortable and secure and confident in, in who you are, it's much easier to navigate life, isn't it? It's much easier yeah. to kind of, yeah, suss, suss, suss the world out if you've got that. So, yeah, I think, you know, the, the attitudes of, 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 of the family that um, have, have, have adopted the sibling have, have got the same mindset and I think they'll continue to do the same too. Yeah. James, you're really open and honest about your whole adoptive journey. The reason for being so, from what I've read from you, is not so that everyone goes out and adopts a child. It's so that, well, you, you tell me. It, I know that it's not that. So yeah, what is it? I, I think for me, life will be so much easier for my children if people understand a little bit more about what their journey has been. And, and, and you know, their journey is their journey. It's no one else's. You know, there's the, the, every adoptive family will have a slightly different kind of experience and and route but actually i think if, if if it's kind of bringing adoption and fostering out of the shadows a little bit and and people seeing it as a just a very it's just another route to become a family in the same way as surrogacy same way as yeah you know having birth children it's just different routes but 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 kind of still the same kind of outcome still that same kind of love at the kind of core of it still the same lovely kind of you know highs and lows and and experiences that everybody kind of um gets a sort of sense of and i just think the more we can talk about it, I think that the, the more kind of open the world kind of becomes and, and life will just be a little bit easier for, for our children because yeah. they, you know, they won't turn up at school and the first day be asked for a load of baby photos or pictures of their of their, their kind of, you know, their family, which they might not have. And they might have mm -hmm. to have to have to kind of explain why that is. And and people just to say, OK, and, and move on, as opposed to them have to feel like they need to defend it or, or question yeah. it or, or challenge it. And I think what, what I've experienced through you know, online and offline is the curiosity, curiosity comes from people that have never considered the process, don't want to consider it. They're not at that stage of their life or, you know, it's just not something they, they want to do, but but just know nothing about it or, or their view of it is based on a film they once watched or an article they once read in a magazine or, you know, a programme they watched on TV that maybe just gives a, a slice of it or, or a yeah. snapshot of it or a historic view of it, but doesn't necessarily reflect, you know, how it is now and, and how yeah how life kind of works out so I think yeah the opportunity to be able to you know to talk about it to share stories and and hopefully the real joy that comes from yeah. you know creating a family in this way because I think quite often there's so many negative connotations around children that have been in care and you know the negativity that comes from that and and you know there is trauma there is loss there is all of that stuff but there's so much you know buckets of of, of joyous moments and and you know really amazing stuff that you never think you're going to kind of experience you get to experience through through going to this process and the reward that comes with that for the children but also you as parents I think you know we're not we're not very good in the UK I think in America they do an amazing job of talking about it but I think in the UK we're we're so we're so hidden and secretive about about that whole kind of world that that it's a real shame yeah but I mean the more people like you keep talking you know, people are, yeah, people are and, you know. and getting the platform to share it and share those stories. I think, you know, that's that's massively important. It's, you know, the, the inclusivity that I think comes from, you know, take something like the Happy Mum and Happy Baby kind of community, the the ability to share those different those different slices of parenting and life. I think it just enriches, doesn't it? Everyone's understanding. Yeah. I, I, you know, listen and see stories and interact with content about 
you know, people's experience, uh, middle of the night breastfeeding, but I'm not going to do that. And that's not going to be an experience I'm going to experience, but I can appreciate and understand the challenges that come with that and how that might mentally impact someone. And that might make me a better friend for someone else, or it might make me a better ally to a work friend or whatever it is that's having that same kind of challenge. So, you know, there's, you don't need to have to live in that experience to, Mm -hmm. to learn and to be curious and understand more about it. And I think that's, that's what the beauty of kind of sharing those stories kind of gives, I think. Yeah. James, if you could write a letter on parenthood, who would it be to and what would you say? Uh, I think what I'd love to do, actually, is probably write a letter or take uh, take for coffee um, uh, the social worker that we first dealt with because mm. because I'd love to kind of colour in all of the other experiences that we've had since that initial meeting. I think we 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 worked with her, I think, for about three months when we first went through the process and, and then she changed roles and moved on. And I'd, I'd love to kind of almost sort of, you know, give her a few more chapters of the story of what we kind of what kind of went on to do and how our life kind of shaped up because we, I think it must be a really challenging role to do that assessment, to talk about, you know, hypothetically families coming together, but then not to be able to to see the outcome and to share that, I think must be really quite hard. So I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to have a kind of natter or, or write a letter and just say, this is what it was for us. This is what it actually turned out to be. You kick-started it, but this is where we ended up or or this is where we are right now. It would, yeah. it would be lovely to do that. Oh. Um, I would like you to finish three sentences for me. Okay. Being a dad means? <sighs> e- endless stress and worry, <laughs> but but the ability to I think to just smile probably more than I probably ever did before being a dad as well so I think it's that balance yeah pulling your hair up but at the same time there's more joy but with a, yeah but with a grin yeah yeah okay <laughs> slightly manic like, in between my head right now yeah yeah it's probably not a good one to end on actually <laughs> uh since having children I uh I think I've become so much more tolerant and resilient I think to to life and 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 situations around me and I'm happy when? I think when the children are in bed and I know that they've got through the day, they're chilled, they're content, they're sleeping and, yeah, it's like a job well done, I think. Yeah. Have you got a glass of wine in your hand at the same time? I feel like that's going to complete I hope so, or a big gin or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, 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 yeah so, 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 something to help me sleep, yeah. <laughs> James, thank you so much. It's been absolutely delightful chatting it's to you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. About you know, your whole experience. I honestly can't tell you how much I do stalk your Instagram. (laughs) Oh, it's a pleasure. Yeah. If Tom phones you one day and says, look, G is just knocking down things now, it's going to be your fault. (laughs) I'll bring the toolbox, it's fine. There we go. (laughs) Just come and patch up my my botched jobs. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, all good. Lovely. Thank you so so much. much. No, thank you for your time. Take care. Happy Mum, Happy Baby is produced by Pixie Productions Limited and is part of the Acast Creator Network. Have you noticed there's new pictures of me wearing some rather lovely hoodies and t-shirts? Yes, that's right. Happy Mum, Happy Baby clothing is here. We launched today, so you might even be the first to see it. Hurrah! Now, I love me a quote. I love a t-shirt quote, so I wanted to bring some of those quotes that really show how we feel. So my favourite is flipping shattered, because yes, I am feeling flipping shattered the majority of the time. And my second favourite is the Grow Love Jumper, in sizes for adults and mini-me's too. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.